You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 678 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live from State Farm Arena on a Friday evening. So if you're a new listener to the podcast, I am still in the arena. You will hear some background noise, but my apologies for that. I like to record as quickly as possible after these home games and I'm back in my media seat. So hopefully the noise will not be too, too bad from the arena. So with that said, I wanted to have one plug here at the top. Please go back and listen to the show I did with Tyler Jones on Thursday evening. It's a Friday morning. It's a lot of fun, about an hour and 15 minute conversation or something like that. A longer episode than normal um, on this podcast, but Tyler is uh, someone I enjoy talking to. He's very smart, and I think we had a good conversation uh, talking about the Hawks through 25 games of this season. So go back and check that out and subscribe to the podcast. I would really, really appreciate it. So with that said, the Hawks lost to the Pacers by a final score of 110-100 to on Friday night. Not a hugely surprising result overall. The Hawks were six-point underdogs in this game at home. Indiana is better than the Hawks. Um, but coming into the game, this is, this is a winnable spot for Atlanta, and I think we saw why in the third quarter. The Hawks were certainly capable of winning this game, even if they were not expected to do so. Um, no, absences on, no absences on either side of this game except for uh, Victor Oladipo, who's been out all season long for Indiana, and John Collins, of course, who is still suspended. And the one note that I wanted to make here roster-wise for Atlanta was that Kevin Herter's minutes restriction rose from 25 to 30, so he's almost at full strength now. He did sit for a while in the fourth quarter, where he, where he, I'm sure he would have been playing if not for the restriction, but um, notably, he's up to 30 minutes, and that's definitely uh, you know near what he would normally be averaging on a game-by-game basis. So, at the top, we will go through this game as we always do. Uh, the first four buckets of the game for the Hawks were layups and dunks. Uh, pretty good to see that from Atlanta starting off this game, just attacking the rim almost at will in the first half. The, first, the offense was not great before halftime, but the early going was pretty good. Um, but some bad defense, um, kind of a theme throughout the game, other than a one segment in the third quarter um, that allowed... Pacers take take a a three-point lead in the first half. Um, The Hawks scored three points in about a a three-and-a-half-minute period of the the first quarter, prompting a timeout by Lloyd Pierce after they failed to get back a transition twice in a row. It felt like Trey Young was forcing it a little bit in the first half. He was 2 of 12 before halftime. After the game, Trey was... uh, I would say rep- repeatedly saying to the media that he thought he had good shot attempts in this game. He just he just missed some open shots. He said repeatedly that he thought he let the team down because of that. I will say, you know, he, def- he definitely had some misses that he, I would say, normally makes um, some of these shots. I thought in the first half, though, he was pushing it a little bit, forcing it. Not necessarily shots he can't make, but shots that are not optimal shots for him. He had a couple of forced long ones, a couple of over-dribbling possessions, nothing Terribly egregious, but you know, two of twelve is going to happen every once in a while for Trey Young. But I would disagree a little bit with the assertion that, he, that they were all good shots. They weren't terrible shots, but certainly not ones that he's going to make all the time. To that end, uh, Pacers actually took a ten-point lead at the uh, near the end of the first quarter when the Hawks just couldn't score. Honestly, a two-point. Sorry, two points in only about four minutes for Atlanta in the first quarter. That was just kind of brutal. They just could not score in different for, for different pockets of that first quarter. Um, probably lucky that they were only down by seven points. They were 0 of 9 from three in the first quarter. Vince, uh, a lineup without Trey Young on the court that had Vince Carter, Cam Reddish, and Alan Crabb in the game did not work at all. Um, they were kind of bailed out by Indiana not scoring a ton, but offensively it was not functioning. Uh, Alex Len was kind of the only bright spot in the first quarter with, a, with five points, five rebounds, and a big block against Demonis Sabonis. Uh, and Len was good all night long, by the way. As we look ahead to the, to the rest of the game. Uh, in the second half, um, sorry, in the second quarter, 
more of the same for the most part. There was um, one, some pushback from Atlanta at times, but um, Trey Young got beat off the dribble back-to-back times by TJ McConnell early in the period, and then uh, that generated a layup for just uh, for Justin Holiday. The Pacers went up by went up by as many as 15 um, in the first. Um, Sorry, 17 in the first half. It went off, uh, down by 15 at the half. The Hawks missed all 13 of their three-point attempts in the first half. I'm going to say that one more time. The Hawks were 0 of 13 from three in this game uh, in the first half. And uh, there's some stats about that. I tweeted about these, but so my apologies for repeating myself. But only the second time in the entire NBA this season that, that a team has, has not hit a three in an entire first half. Only the fourth time in any half this season for anyone in the NBA to, to not make a three for a full half. And to make things even crazier, the Hawks. The last time the Hawks didn't make a three in a half was the second half of a game on March 28th, 2016. So more than three and a half years ago was the last time the Hawks did not make a three in a half. And for uh, for, for some long-time Hawks fans, I will tell you that the team was 0 of 8 in that half. And uh, the guys who missed threes were Kyle Korver, Tim Hardaway Jr., Jeff Teague, Kent Bazemore, Paul Millsap, and Dennis Schroeder. So it's been a while. Um, and, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Also, Dan Weiner of ESPN, who's a good good follow on Twitter. I enjoy Dan's work. Um, that was the, the Hawks missed 13 threes in the first half. That was their most three-point attempts missed without a make um, since uh, for 15 years of the Hawks. So obviously they were only 0 of 8 in 2016. So all that to say, the Hawks just could not buy a bucket in the first half. There were some good looks that just didn't go down, but a lot of brutal offense before the halftime break. Defensively, it wasn't very good either. The Pacers had 44 points in the paint in the first half. For context, the Pacers averaged 48 points 48 points in the paint per game. So they had 44 in the first half. That is a very, very bad sign. Um, and worth noting as well, but prior to halftime, the Hawks only, only played 10 guys and really only played eight and a half guys in the first half. Vince Carter played four minutes before halftime, and DeAndre Bembry played 28.6 seconds on a defensive only possession at the end of the first half. So one of the shallowest rotations of the season for Atlanta. You could tell what Pierce was trying to win this game with the way that he used the rotation uh, just the not and working out obviously in that way. In the third quarter um, was obviously the best the best quarter for Atlanta. It was a 35 to 23 margin for uh, in Atlanta's favor after halftime, and it was good to see them sort of fight back into the game. Lloyd Pierce and all of the players that I spoke to or heard speak after the game, um, from Alex Len to Trey Young to uh, you know basically everyone, uh, talked about the fact that they were uh, very happy with the way they, they, that they climbed back into this game with good effort after halftime. Atlanta went down by 18 after the first possession of the third quarter. T.J. Warren was a three, but from that point forward, it was all Hawks. Um, they finally broke the three-point attempt drought. They missed their first 14. They finally made one with about nine and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. And then the floodgates opened to a certain extent. Jabari made another three on the next possession, a 10-2 overall run to cut the game, uh, to, cut, to cut the margin to nine. Trey Young had seven points in the first um, three to three or four minutes of the third quarter after a shaky first half, of course. There's a big swing, I thought, that I noted that I'm not sure anybody else did in the third quarter. Um, Ken Reddish looked, looked like he was going to throw the ball away. Uh, it, was, it was a late whistle that the pass was stolen by Indiana, and it would have been a layup probably for the Pacers to go up by 16 points. Fortunately for the Hawks, they got a whistle. Reddish goes to the line, um, only made one of two, but then the Hawks got a stop and made a three from Trey Young, and suddenly the, the margin was down to 10, where it could have been 16 very easily, and that prompted a timeout for the Pacers. From there, it was a 9-0 overall run by the Hawks to get back into the game, really, in a big way. Uh, Indiana missed a bunch of jump shots in a row that were basically settles. The Pacers allowed the Hawks, I would say, to get back in this game with the way they played offense, but there was some good defense as well from Atlanta, and suddenly the Hawks were down by five points after that big 9-0 run that was capped by a three from Cam Reddish. So a nice push there from Atlanta. Alex Len had the play of the night with a, a big-time dunk, sort of a poster dunk on Demonis Sabonis going his right sort of off the dribble. A great play by Alex Len. Again, he was very good in this game. Um, the Hawks did have a three in the air from Lynn to get, to get it to three at one point. Um, the Hawks did cut it to three. That was a, as low as it got in this game. Um, 
steps. But still, it was a, a, a very, very valiant effort from Atlanta in the third quarter. They were 13 of 21 from the floor and 5 of 9 from 3 in the third quarter. And when compared to the first half, that was a big-time swing in favor of Atlanta's offense. But unfortunately, as you probably know at this point in time, the Hawks only scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. So they followed up their, their best quarter of the game with their worst offensive quarter in the game in the fourth. A four-point play from Doug McDermott to open the fourth quarter was the only scoring by either side for the first three minutes of the fourth quarter. It was a pretty uh, ugly stretch by both teams. Um, the Hawks did survive a stretch without Trey Young on the court. Trey uh, left the game at when they, when they were down by seven, came back, and they were only down by eight. Um, from there, it was a lot of back and forth. Trey hit a layup to cut the, to cut the margin down to five at 99-94, and he had another jump shot to cut it to 101-96. At that point in time, Trey had 17 points after halftime and about a quarter and a half on pretty good efficiency. Um, from there, though, it was kind of a, a back and forth that ended up going towards Indiana's way. Uh, there was a bad shot by, by Trey Young, uh, I thought, after an empty trip by uh, Indiana when they were down by five. Could have cut it to two. Um, from that point forward, they got a run out layup from the Pacers to go up by seven. A very, very nice pass on the next trip by Trey Young to DeAndre Hunter, who missed a corner three. That was a big miss, in my opinion, and then Sabonis missed at the rim to give the Hawks a, a reprieve. But um, Trey missed again from the top of the key. That was actually a good look, I thought, from, from Young, uh, prompting a timeout by Indiana with about three and a half minutes to go in a seven-point game. It was still definitely a game at that point in time. And uh, eventually, the Hawks got it to five on a Kevin Herter layup with 2.26 to go. That was uh, the, the point in time in the fourth quarter that probably was the most favorable for Atlanta. Down five, 2.26. You're still a big underdog in that spot, particularly when you're not the better team. But still a pretty favorable situation overall. But out of a timeout, they got a stop, which was even better. Down five with the ball now. Uh, but Hunter missed a questionable, I thought, at least, long two attempt. He missed that one. They, they switched everything defensively. They put Jabari Parker in the game to switch everything defensively. That was an interesting decision, in my opinion. I would have stayed with, with Alex Len with the way that he was playing versus the way that Jabari was playing. They wanted to go small on offense and switch, switch heavy. I understand that decision. It's not one that I loved. Uh, they fouled Malcolm Brogdon. Fortunately for them, Brogdon, who's probably the best free throw shooter in the entire league, missed one. Um, and the Hawks suddenly had, this, had the ball down by six in a manageable spot. But they came down and Herter turned it over. Um, and that was probably, in retrospect, the end of the game because Brogdon then came down and laid it in with 109 to go. And the Hawks are down by eight points. And that was probably it. Uh, I thought it was notable the Hawks did not go to Vince Carter in crunch time. They played um, a reddish Hunter forward tandem with Jabari at center. And even when Jabari, um, even before Jabari came back in at center, he was on the bench and it was reddish and Hunter at the three and the four spot. They went to Crab eventually for some offense, but no Vince down the stretch. That's definitely a change from the, from the recent past when Carter has been playing crunch time. Um, I'm okay with that because Vince has not been playing all that well, but wanted to point that out. The Hawks did not score for the final 226 of the game. And uh, all told, it was, you know, I think the 17 points kind of stands on its own in terms of the way that the Hawks were not able to score in the fourth quarter. But that last 226, you know, some of that was garbage time at the very, very end, but they just could not get shots to fall. Pierce noted that as well. It wasn't like a, a big mystery to say the Hawks did not score very well in the fourth quarter, but just some bad, bad possessions at bad moments and a couple of just in and out shots as well. The fourth quarter stats are as ugly as you might imagine that they would be. Um, the Hawks were not sorry. The Hawks were six of twenty-one from the floor and one of six from three in the fourth quarter with no offensive rebounds and six turnovers. That is really really rough. Um, Trey Young was three of nine, zero of four for Hunter. Uh, just not a whole lot of not a whole lot going on offensively for the Hawks. They did get to the line four times, but um, that was a pretty rough end of the game. After there was some real optimism with the way the Hawks played in the third quarter. So. 
all that to say, um, the game swung based on the Hawks' offense in this spot. I will say the defense was very bad before halftime. It was notably better after that. But for the game, the defensive rating actually looks pretty solid at 104. That was probably some Indiana stuff as well. They did not, they did not shoot the ball well. There was a discussion I was having with some media folks after the game about whether the Pacers actually played well in this game. I would lean towards no. They didn't play terribly, but they were not great in this spot. But Atlanta's defense does deserve some credit for uh, sort of stiffening up after halftime, and the Pacers shot 32% from three for the game with 15 turnovers. Um, Atlanta's offense, though, was a mess for three, uh, three out of the four quarters, honestly. The Hawks shot 41.5% from the floor, 6 of 28 from three, which is 21%. They missed seven free throws. They um, had 24 assists versus 15 turnovers, which is not the worst thing I've ever seen, but not great. A 95 offensive rating. You are not going to win as the Hawks with that kind of offensive rating most of the time, given, given their defense. So, you know, part of that just goes individually. We'll talk about individual player stuff in a second, but just the, the execution was not really there. I will say the Hawks had a chance to win this game, albeit a faint one. They were never they never led in the second half, but they certainly battled and had this game competitive. And at, at halftime, I would not have bet on that being the case based on the way the Hawks played in the first half. So again, credit to them for coming back, but uh, we will leave it there for now on the overall team portion of the podcast. After a quick break to hear from our sponsors, we'll come back and talk about the individual players in this game. All right, and we're back to talk about the individual players. We'll go to the bench first. The Hawks only played 10 guys in the entire game, and really only nine. Uh, DeAndre Bembry is now apparently in the Mario West role. If you are a Hawks fan of, uh, a, of a decade or so, you might remember that Mario West, a former Georgia Tech player, was kind of a running joke during the Mike Woodson era of the team uh, almost a decade ago when he basically only came in to play defense on defensive-only possessions at the end of quarters and halves. And Bembry came in twice in this game and played defense um, for less than a less than a minute of total time. Um, basically, two defense-only possessions where they brought him in. He did his job. He played defense, and he's you know one of the best defenders on the team. But um, kind of unfortunate to see DeAndre in that kind of role. I'm not sure if it's going to stay like that for a while now, but the Hawks only played nine guys for real minutes here, and DeAndre was the 10th uh, and barely even played at all in this game, which means DMPs for Bruno Fernando, Chandler Parsons, and Evan Turner. Um, Parsons, no surprise. Fernando has played in most games this year, but certainly is behind Len and Jones in the pecking order. And with the way that Len and Jones played, that was the right decision. And then Turner, um, still a DMP here. He's been sort of on that stretch over the last bit of time. Even Bembry has played more than him. And uh, Turner is now firmly out of rotation, it would appear. So to the guys who actually played, Vince Carter, 13 minutes, only four in the first half, nine after halftime. Didn't contribute a whole lot. I think he was not very good. Only took two shots. You know, if Vince is going to be out there, he's got to shoot and he's got to make shots. Because um, the other stuff that Vince is uh, contributing defensively, he's usually in the right place, but just not a lot of physicality at the power forward spot. Offensively, he moves the ball, had two assists, um, but just doesn't do too much for you. So he's going to have to make some shots and get some shots up, almost more importantly. Alan Crabb, 25 minutes of play, seven points, three rebounds, and an assist. I thought Crabb had a really bad defensive stretch in the first half at one point that I wanted to point out just because it's not a strength of his overall. There are times when he's more competitive. In this game, it was not very good, but he was better after halftime, I thought. Uh, Cam Reddish struggled offensively, I will say, in this contest. Three, three turnovers and one of six from the floor for Cam. A couple of just rookie moments for Reddish, a couple of bad shots that I thought he took. He was pretty passive at times and also just kind of over-dribbled and did some uh, interesting rookie stuff, kind of reverted back to where he was early on in the season, taking some uneven shots and kind of being in the wrong place. But defensively, I actually thought he was pretty good in this game. Four points, five rebounds, a steal and a block for Cam. He was, he was active and athletic um, for the most part, and we'll come back to that um, at a later date. Um, next on the agenda, Alex Lynn was the best bench player pretty clearly for Atlanta and one of the best players overall for Atlanta in this game. 11 points, 
13 rebounds in 22 minutes of play, had a, had a steal, had a block. I thought Alex was notably good. I asked Lloyd Pierce about that. He agreed about the center rotation and definitely mentioned the fact that actually both, both Pierce and Len after the game talked about how they want him with the ball in his hands more often. They're using him more in the DHO, the dribble handoff game offensively. Len uh, seemed, to, seemed to take some solace in that as a, as a part of the offense, and we saw that sort of come to fruition on that big-time dunk that I mentioned earlier over Sabonis, but I thought Len was quite good in this game. And, you know, no, nothing new for me here, but Len's the best center on the team. I wish he was starting, but he did play more than Jones in this game, and that makes a lot of sense based on the way the game actually went. To the starting lineup in this contest, um, we'll save Trey for the end. Kevin Herter, 30 minutes of play, 2 of 7 from the floor, 5 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal. Not a great Kevin Herter game. A couple of bad moments down the stretch for him as well. You know, he wasn't terrible. I, I wish he would take some more shots. 30 minutes, 7 shot attempts is not enough for Kevin. I know, obviously, Trey, Trey took a lot of shots, but I, I wish Kevin was a little, a little bit more assertive offensively. But uh, we'll leave that there for now. Damian Jones, 18 minutes. I he, he played decently. Nine points, four rebounds, two assists. Um, definitely got blown a little bit on the interior by, by Sabonis. You know, Alex Len got beat by Sabonis a little bit as well. But at least, at least with Len, you have that pure sort of unadulterated size in the way that you can put him near the rim. And he definitely helps to deter the rim. Jones, not so much. And the Pacers sort of feasted on that at times in this game. Jabari Parker had some nice moments offensively. 20 points for Jabari. A 9-13 from the floor. Six rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Did have four turnovers, and I thought defensively he was a liability for most of this game. Not a huge surprise, but I wish they had stayed with Len in crunch time um, over Parker. Not not his fault necessarily, but just wasn't great defensively. They still needed his offense, and I thought especially in the first half, Parker and DeAndre Hunter, who we'll talk about in a second, really carried the offense. Uh, Pierce said the same thing, and uh, if, without them in the first half, it's probably a 25, 30-point game. It's, that's how much they needed those offensive contributions before halftime. So, uh Shouts to Jabari for that. Um, 200, 37 minutes to tie for the team lead. 7.16 from the floor, 0 of 4 from 3. Did have 21 points and 4 rebounds, 2 assists and 2 steals. 7 of 9 from the free throw line. He was the only guy on the team that took more than 4 free throws. Good to see him being aggressive. I wish he had hit a 3 in this game because otherwise he played very well. Um, actually, Pierce thought, and we said publicly, that he thought it was one of the better games of Hunter's career so far. I would probably agree with that, I think, particularly offensively. Other than other than three-point shooting, if he just made two threes out of the four, even one out of the four, it wouldn't look, wouldn't look quite as jarring. But I thought he played pretty well in this game overall. And then finally, Trey Young, um, 23 points to lead the team in scoring, eight assists to lead the team in assists, seven rebounds, second on the team in rebounds, so a typical night in that way. But Trey Young was 9 of 30 from the floor, 3 of 10 from three, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. Uh, only got to the line once uh, for one trip, I should say. That's a bit of an issue. You know, there were a couple times where he, he drew some fouls that he wanted to be shooting on and that the, the referees did not buy into. So it wasn't as if Trey was not drawing fouls, just not the, not, not the free throw variety in this game. The 9 of 30 overstates it a little bit. I think that, you know, first half, 2 of 12. Second half, um, 7 of 18. 7 of 18 is fairly normal-ish for Trey Young. Not, not obviously where his averages are, but if it was 7 of 18 in the second half, you wouldn't have batted an eye. The 2 of 12 in the first half makes it makes us look worse. And 9 of 30 is 9 of 30. That's a lot of attempts. Um, I'm okay with most of them. Again, I think he was pressing a little bit in the first half, but in the second half, he kind of had it going for a little while. And, you know, at the end of the day, the Hawks need him to generate shot attempts. Um, normally, it's not 30 attempts in 37 minutes, but I was generally okay with the way that he played um, after the first half. And even the first half, it wasn't like he was just terrible as, in, as a floor game player. He missed some, he missed some shots that he's going to make. He was quick to say that. I don't think he was terrible in this game. The first half, 
was not his best work, I will say. You know, I was tempted to say with about four or five minutes to go in the first half that it was the worst half of the season from Trey Young because defensively he was a mess again in this game. It's nothing new, but uh, it's been bad for a while now. Brogdon had his way with him. TJ McConnell kind of did whatever he wanted to against Trey Young. That's a bad sign for you defensively. But then Trey played a little bit better in the last four minutes or so, I, I never, and I never actually said that. I'm not sure I still mean that even now, but it was definitely one of the shakier halves of the season for Trey in the first half. Second half, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, obviously cooled off in the fourth quarter, but everybody did, so it wasn't just Trey Young. Not a better night for him, but not, not one that is necessarily as, as dreadful as you might imagine someone who went 9 of 30 would have been. So, all that to say, the Hawks uh, will have one day of rest. They will not play on Saturday before they host the Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and company right here in this building um, on Sunday evening. 6 o'clock start, by the way. File that one away because those are not a typical start time. The Lakers, by the way, are 23-3 and this season. They are 13-1 and on the road. Uh, that is a tough matchup, we should say, for the Hawks. Um, at least they'll be at full strength in terms of rest. Obviously, no John Collins, but um, we will see if everybody else is available in that game. You know, it goes without saying that the Hawks are probably not going to win that game. Uh, they certainly are capable of rising up and pulling off an upset at any given moment, particularly at home. When you have Trey Young, he can go off for 40 on any night and put and keep you in the game. But the Lakers will probably be double-digit favorites, even on the road in that spot. So keep your expectations down a little bit. The schedule is going to be favorable after this, I will say, for a while. But uh, Sunday, Sunday's game is not exactly a favorable one, particularly when you throw in the fact that I'm sure there will be a bunch of Lakers fans in this building on Sunday evening. So... All that to say, one more time, I will plug the show from yesterday with Tyler Jones. A lot of fun had on that podcast. If you want a longer listen uh, for your Saturday or Sunday, uh, you know, traveling around or whatever you're doing, check that out. Check that out and fire it up. I really appreciate all of that. And if nothing else, uh, bar- barring a trade or something crazy on Saturday, the next time you'll hear from me will be Sunday night after the game in this same spot. Stay tuned for that. <laughs>